Hello listeners, and welcome to Gotta Jabrew, the podcast where two friends talk about our two favorite things, fish and beer. Fish and beer. What episode are we on? 13? Uh, 14. Whoa, dang it. It's going by so fast. Yeah. What song is that? <laughs> it's a tray song or a fish song? Most events aren't planned. Fish? Let's say the name of the song is Most Events Aren't Planned. Yeah, it's a fish song. Uh, fish plays the song. Yeah, so it's a cover. <laughs> That's why it's, I didn't know it. It's a uh, Vita Blues song. Oh. Which is Paige's side project. Yeah, I got to go back, do a deep dive on that. Yeah, it's really it's you know what's really interesting about Vita Blue? Um what? when they announced that they were getting back into the studio, which was what, like two months ago, uh I yeah, tried I, I tried to find their album on the internet. Like just you know, you can find anything on the internet. You cannot find Vita Blue on the internet. Can't torrent it, can't do any of that. It's like not on the web. It's crazy. Huh. So makes you, me want to listen to did it. Did you all the more. did you did you go on eBay? <laughs> No, you can buy it like in, in physical copy. Oh, but you so can't you're get acting it like it's this elusive thing. Uh, I mean, for the internet to find free things and free copies of especially like music, come on, huh? Could find an, anything in like five minutes except Vita Blue <laughs> self-titled album by Vita Blue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about purchasing music anymore. Um. Or like illegally downloading it. <laughs> I I am the type of person, and this goes for everything related to the internet until the end of time, that thinks if you post something on the internet, it should be available to the public forever. And Hopefully once forever. you post something up there, yeah, it's kind of like you're surrendering your right to not have other people get access to it somehow. You know, when Fish launched their app, people got really pissed off that they uh, were making people pay for their soundboard recordings. Yeah, I still don't get that. I still don't get the whole app. I went on live. I went on Fish OD, not Fish OD. I went on Fish's website mm -hmm. and I downloaded something for free. Right. But they had me put my credit card information in and I didn't get charged anything. And now they just give me updates of things that I can possibly buy, I guess, to listen to in this app. Well, no, right? Fish, Fish now has like their version of Spotify. Yes, yeah, I didn't know that. On, what is it called? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Do you <laughs> use it often? No, because you have to pay for it. Like yeah, Spotify. okay. But all the recordings are live really fish. good? It's Live Fish. Ooh. So Live Fish is also the website that you go to to buy the simulcasts. So right, like now, right, like right. you can get all the music that they have in their possession off of live fish and get all those like videos and stuff. it's just a bunch of shit. Is it a monthly or a weekly it's or a daily monthly. subscription? It's, just, it's like Spotify. I think it's $10. A it's month. a subscription. Ah, man. But they're going to be releasing everything on that format going forward. Um, well now when you go to a show, you used to be able to, excuse me, you used to be able to take your ticket stub and have a free download and get a free download. You can't do that anymore. Huh? So now you have to go on live fish and pay $10 a month. 
or oh. go to Fish OD or somewhere else where they're aggregating all that from. Yeah, I go to Fish OD. I yeah. live and die by Fish OD. Mm. And it's the worst app on the planet. Sorry, creators of no, Fish OD. It's a little buggy, but it, it glitches all the time for no yeah, reason. But it's like, and f- why can't the songs just play into each other, like Hulu or Netflix? To, Get that technology, Fish OD. To, <laughs> Come on, seamless transitioning. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you have to tell it after you have to the nudge first it. time. You have to nudge it like yeah. three times. No, once. It's one time. I have to do it like two times, and then on the third Clearly time, it actually ends up doing it. A little frustrated with Fish OD, but I, I love think, the app. I, I live and die by it. I don't use any other app more in my entire life, nor will I ever. But I it is super glitchy. Really enjoy the offline mode. My only problem is, is that uh, you can't delete from offline. You have to like delete the app and re-add it, which sucks. Do you know that I've had to reset my phone so many times that like episodes I've downloaded, not episodes, shows I've downloaded and like curated this awesome library of like offline downloads has all just disappeared because I've had to reset my phone so many times. Isn't that good though? No, I have to build it up now again from, yeah, I have to build it up now again from scratch. But don't you remember like the ones you really like because of that? I don't. I g- always go back to the original show I saw, my first show ever, and then I build from there. Well, speaking of shows. <laughs> yeah, let's get into these questions. I got a question for you. So Nate Alexander from Addicted to Fish asked this question on the, on the, on the group the other day. Each set at a festival counts as one show. Change my mind. Oh, yeah. I don't get this question. Read what I wrote. Do you have my notes there? <laughs> I think my notes are funny. <laughs> this is a long time ago I filled this out, so. Not sure why each, each set should count as a show. Some people, con- some people consider festivals in their entirety as just one. Yeah. Continue. We w- I wrote more. A show is at least two sets. Only one set I've seen has been the secret jam. That's also not a show. No, but that's what I'm saying. The only like quote unquote thing that I would ever consider to be like one set is a secret jam okay. at a festival. Okay, let's say it this way. Give his give most, his question validity. Most people say that for a fish show to count as a show towards your numbers, if you were to count, is that it's one whole show. So it's the two sets with the encore. It's one whole show, which is kind of what you're saying that you think it should always be. But you get into these weird areas, like a Saturday at a festival Festival has three sets, like three separate times where they play. What? Because you have the afternoon set, you have the evening set, and you have the secret set. So but but, but in the festival's entirety, it's three whole shows. Right. So this because it's guy... a Friday night, then Saturday you have morning afternoon night but then sunday you only have afternoon so it's four it's it's three whole shows so the sets are slightly longer so like this guy is trying to say because of the fact that there's so much more music in a weekend he counts each set single set as one show towards his numbers i just feel like why are you even reaching at that point do you're trying right? honestly like, this sounds like some dude who's trying to boost his numbers yeah like or are you just doing it to do, like who cares yeah most people when i tell them i've been to festivals are like oh yeah that basically just counts as like one no it's not like a run Mm-mm. a whole festival does not count a whole festival does not count as one show that's insane 
I think it's equally as insane to say that each set of a festival is one show. I think they're both That's insane. the ends of spectrums, and it should be somewhere in the middle. What do you consider it? I think Friday is a show. I think Saturday, honestly, if I really wanted to nitpick, I think Saturday is like one and a half. And Sunday and is Sunday what? Sunday is just a show. So you think it's two and a half shows? Rather than three shows? No, technically I would want to say Saturday is two shows because you have this, the secret set is generally like well over an hour long. And yeah. And then you have the extra set. No, so dude, like, I thought festival, I thought the formula for a festival was the first night, Friday night is one show, two sets, one show. Right. Then I thought Saturday, it's yeah. two full shows. So they do two sets in the morning and two sets at night, two and then a sets secret in the jam. Afternoon and then Correct. Two so that's sets in that's the two shows right and there. Then a then. Secret set. Right. So we're already on to. Th- but the secret three set shows. is really long. It's like almost as long as a set. That's and Sunday is one show. <laughs> so four shows in a festival. Four. So you're saying four? Yeah. Fuck I think yeah. it's three. I think each day counts its own day. That's, yeah, that's I mean, I guess that would be a more logical way, and I think that's your in between to break it down. But I say four. I count festivals as four. Yeah. Shows are, they, a show is a first set, a second set, and an encore. And that's it. Okay. But again, sometimes that can happen more than one time in a day. And I still think that that should be one show. You went on a Saturday and you saw all the music that was played on Saturday. That's one show. That's two shows. <laughs> okay. It's two shows. There's a morning there's why. a morning concert and a night concert. And you take a break in between, so you're saying yeah. it's two separate shows. Here's how I look at it. Friday, people are still getting up there. So the only time they can play reasonably on a Friday is one show at night. Right. That's when theoretically everyone should be there. You know, whatever. Done. You're, that's festival start. Kick it off with a cool ass night show. Get you into it. And okay. the next day, because you have a full day there. They give you an afternoon show during the daytime, right? And they give you a full show at night during the nighttime, okay? Which is normally like if you go see them at an outside venue, the first set would be daytime, the second set would be nighttime. So now they're giving you like a full show during the daytime and a full show at nighttime, okay? And then Sunday is your last show. They'll like ease you out. This is the last time we're playing. Bye bye, one show. So you're saying usually with fireworks Mag- and an epic encore. Magna Ball counted as four shows for you. Yes, is what you're saying. See, I think your numbers are inflated by one show. Oh my god, I don't even count mine. What's this, Richard at whoever.com? I don't even count my shows, Nate. But yeah, yeah, Nate, maybe you should be a little bit more chill and just surrender to the flow, my man. Uh, speaking of flow, <laughs> the next question I have for you is from Dan Allen. Oy. He says, What Two is your first names? What is your P song? I hate this song, uh, question. I hate this question, yeah. So I think you this answer, question. You I, answer I, I first. Think, I think this question would be easier for you if you asked it in two different ways. Okay, work with me here for a second. So you could say, "What song is so not your tune that you would go to the bathroom and not feel like you missed anything?" And then the other part of it is, when do you actually go to pee at a fish show? Whenever I have to, bro. You're not bound to like a uh a uh if something's so boring? No. Read what I wrote cuz what I wrote I think is very intuitive. I don't and insightful. I I my I wrote that I find a lot of fish songs that people think are boring, I love. Like light, I love light. 
there's a lot of slow songs that people are like, oh, this sucks. And then you see it in like mass exodus. Everybody goes to the bathroom. And I think that's the dumbest time to go to the bathroom. Okay. And then there are songs that like I hate that I find that go on and on and on and I really dislike and everybody else loves. Like Split Open and Melt is a good example of that where I'm just like, this is too much. I got to get out of here. And that's usually when I go to the bathroom and it's dead outside and I can just quick, quick pee and go get some water and a beer. So you're kind of answering the question the way I would answer the question. I don't have a song where I go to pee every single time. I, you're not answering the first question is is that are there songs out there that make you go uh in your head enough that you're like i'll go take a piss right now I'm no not missing anything nope it's like a movie not a single i hold one. it i hold it for as long as i possibly can and then i pick the moment <laughs> right, inside right, my right. window you're not seeing the forest to piss. the trees right now i'm saying if there was a song that could spark your bladder to go want to relieve itself does it exist you're trying to do this altruistic no, fish bullshit again, I'm and I'm just, telling you that there's a song that you hear, and you're like, I could gladly go to the bathroom right now, and I don't feel like I missed a beat. Like, this could have happened for a minute and a half, and I didn't miss anything. What's yours? <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> Any bluegrass song. <laughs> um, well, it actually depends. Like, So if we're answering the first part of the question, which you failed to answer, I might add... Um, it would be the song that I don't like enough that would make me want to go pee. Uh, Velvet Sea is one that sticks out of my brain. I right love away. that song. Um, song I heard the ocean sing. I will go take a pee during. Uh, is that what you want to hear? Is that what you're getting at me? I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, the moment I felt to a drift. Silent rift? in the morning. That song is called Rift. Silence contagious in moments like these. It's a great one because people like it and but it's like, uh. I thought you, so that's the one you go to the bathroom. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'd see you in the bathroom for a rift. No. So, so then there's other songs that I strategically go to the bathroom because I know absolutely no one will be there. Right. That's like what I'm saying. Meat Stick is that song for me. Oh, I love that song. Everybody flips their shit, but the second it plays, it clears out the bathrooms. Everybody goes running out to go see it. So it's like I'll miss, uh, especially for a guy going to a fish show, the bathrooms are like in, they're the longest gentleman lines I've ever seen in my life. I could easily go to the bathroom in 30 seconds if it's during meat stick. No way. Hands down. Yep. I've done no it one can MSG. go to the bathroom in 30 I've seconds. Seen M- I've seen fish on the floor. And gone to the right, uh, gone to the bathroom at the right time and gone 30 seconds. Gotten During off the meat floor. stick? Uh, I don't think it was. Baker's Dozen when we, is when we were on the floor. There were a bunch of songs where if you planned it out right, I could get in and out of how deep we were into the crowd. Yeah. About, I, would, I wouldn't say 30 seconds. I'd say about a minute and a half to go, go to the bathroom, come back. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I had a hard time getting out on the floor. Even it was worse if it was a song everybody was into because people would get, be getting pissed off that you were trying to walk by them when they were like dancing. No, I mean you have to find the veins in a fish crowd. So like I did, I hugged the side, I hugged the rail. Yeah, but you got to even <laughs> find the vein. You can't just cut a straight line. It doesn't work. Yeah, I try. I I just didn't go to the bathroom. Walking through a crowd of fish fans <laughs> is break. like walking through a bunch of cows that have been herded into an area and like the guy who heard the cows just like zigzag between them all same thing yeah 
That's why every time we leave a fish show, I go, because <laughs> then all the cows have to herd to that one area before they go to slaughter. Yep. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's usually drugged out, so they're really chill. Okay. Unless um, people are puking. Yeah. I Again, more reasons to know why, where, and how fast to get to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do love those. I do love those shows where I'm like the exit to my section is right by the ladies' bathroom. I know I'm like, yeah, this you're thinking is of MSG. Get... Yeah, yeah, where, I'm like, thinking you go of down MSG. the steps in the bathroom and the yeah. and the and the yeah, the concession stands are right there. Yep. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's that's all important. I remember one time I sat in the dead center, but it was like at bar stools. Remember that section? That section was crazy, and like all you had to do was. Pull a fucking drape behind you, curtain. and there was this like, was yeah, a blackout massive curtain. blanket. Yeah, it was great. I love that section. I had all the space in the world to dance and stand up if I wanted to. I still had the curtain, so I could like push it back a little bit into the. It was great. Weird, you did feel seat. like removed from the show, though, because you were almost in the concession. Yeah, because yeah. you're behind a table. Yeah, but you're dead center. You had the great light show. It was pretty cool. Okay, so. Next question is from Colin uh, Capacci, and I think I am the only person who can answer this because I'm probably the only one of the two of us that listened to what needed to be listened to. So who is a better cover band, Fish or Umphreys McGee? Oh, yeah, I this is I bow out of this question. Yeah. So, I've never heard Umphreys uh, the, McGee. The reason I bring this up is because a friend of mine just uh, turned me on to Umphrey McGee and was just like, oh, you got to listen to this band. They do a lot of really cool jamming. They'll go like through a lot of stuff. And I remember I obviously went to you first since your music vocabulary is way more eclectic than mine in terms of like odd uh, bands to listen to. And when you described them to me, you were like, oh, they're pretty cool. But they're like if their jams are kind of mathy is what you Te- said. To technical. Me. Yes. Yeah. And um, I sat down and I listened to like four of their albums. and. I kind of understood what you were saying by saying mathy and technical. And to me, it just meant forced. It's like almost like it's pre-written. So it's not as like, it doesn't have as much of a flow to me as a, huh. as fish. Yeah, I mean, but how long have they been so, uh I don't know. Yeah, not as long. <laughs> but what, so this is where this is going though with cover bands, like, I think that they use covers as a vehicle to flow through their jams, whereas Fish do covers and actually make it their own. So the answer to the question is still subjective because some people are really into that. um, What's that? uh, Rat-a-tat? Isn't it Rat-a-tat that does that? They're like DJs that like mix as much like pop music together as possible. It's like sure. some people like that, like DJE, like EDM, like try to mix in as much shit and mash it up as much as possible. Yeah. And some people, uh, which is I think where I fall a little more like it when a band kind of takes something and changes it. Yeah, um, makes it their own. Right. I, I agree. I When I go see a band and they play a cover and it's identical to the way that the original band plays it, I'm like, oh, what was the point of that? So, yeah, yeah, I like to see Fish take, you know, songs and do what they want with it. So 
um we were actually talking about this the other day um and i think a perfect example of this it's going to take us a little away from fish for a second but i think the point should be made all the same um this is going to be uh the zuttons the zuttons are a band i don't know if you know who they are nope and they originally wrote this song This to me sounds like a, a shittier Jack White or White Stripes. Yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Have you gotten what song this is yet? Nope. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, this so, is good. So, And this is the original artist playing the original song. So the song is obviously Valerie. So, again, you hear that as an artist. And so that's an older band. What do you mean by older? What are they playing now? No, like, no, what's, they're a they're band from... now. They're a band, oh, like, really? within the... Yeah. Huh. Um... I would say that they are directly influenced by Jack White. Yeah. So this is, again, where it gets interesting. Now this is where we go with the cover of this song. And I love the water. Okay, so aside from one being I, what I assume is a white middle-aged guy singing and a black, obviously, woman singing, is the second song is Faster Pace, correct? Uh, that was Amy Winehouse. So. Oh, so she's white. Damn, she fooled me. <laughs> yeah, I was Winehouse never into Amy Winehouse at all. Uh, yeah. Next, answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically have a a uh, hard rock slash pop rock band and a blues jazz inspired singer in their renditions of the same song. So the Zuttons come out with the song first, Amy Winehouse ends up covering it. So the first version of the song is what came out first. This is the second. And did you forget the question I asked you? Cause yeah. are you buying time? Cool. You could just ask me again what I asked you <laughs> is the second version of that song, a quicker drum beat. A faster the tempo pace. is quicker, yes. Okay. But the the tempo's also different. Tempo oh. the, I just picked up that it was faster. Um the way uh the other one, the easiest way to say it is more straight and on top of the beat. The other one is a little more one, song one. Yeah. It's like And song two is what, messier? 
clumsier. Yeah, it's like more lackadaisical. It's got like a swing to it. It's like yeah. more jazzy. Yeah, yeah, I could hear that. And like all over the place, yeah. So musically, how do you describe that? What is, how, what is the vocabulary you use? Um, I guess one is, again, one's straight and on top of the beat, and the other one is syncopated and lazy. Okay. So it's like the main difference between blues and jazz and like rock. Okay. One is like straight. F- uh, so we're getting into what I actually would want to teach you for today, getting back on the fish train. Uh, and that also answers the question of why I think fish is better at a, as a cover band than Umfreeze. Uh, Umfreeze. Umfreeze would have still kept that like the Zuttons and swung it into another song, which might fit or change the rhythm and be really cool. But Fish would do what Amy Winehouse did to that song and kind of take it in and put it in their own voice and, and make something new out of it, which I appreciate because it still lets you attach to what is there if you know the original song. Right. And it still brings it into their own and lets them create something new out of it. Like I, the reasons I like Cross-Eyed and Painless. Sounds like the Talking Heads song doesn't stray too far away from it, but it's also their own to the point where I like it now more than the original Talking Heads playing it. But It's fuller. Yeah. It's like way fuller. Mm. I mean, again, I don't know how to describe that, but it's Fish's version is, I, I mean... Just because there's more, there's more instruments in Fish's version, so. Yeah, true. So we're moving into where we're going with this. You were asking me uh, how those things differ in terms of the sound. One very important part of music is time signatures. And it's funny. Oof, you've already we were, lost me. I was going to say it's funny that we were talking about math and how you hate it because time signatures is all math. Yeah, that's probably why <laughs> none of this will sink into my brain. But let's do the exercise. Yeah, so you basically in all of... Does time signature mean tempo? Kind of. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, right, it's, it's basically how you subdivide beats within a measure. And the total number that you can count those beats will change the feel of the music. So I don't know what a measure is. A measure is a single bar of music. And how you define it is its time signature. <laughs> uh, you're sucking yeah. in circles, my <laughs> okay. man. Okay, so when, when a I song... I never studied music, so I don't even know what like a bar... I can't close my eyes and picture what like a bar of music looks like. So um, it's as many notes that can fit in a certain amount of time. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. So yes. In but don't you decide that how open or tight you want to make that right? So how <laughs> you define that becomes the time signature. Okay. Then, okay, 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 okay. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little bit of one of my favorite fish covers to keep it topical. Loving cup. So do you find your head just starting to bob up and down? Yeah. You can kind of find the pulse of the song, right? So if we wanted to start counting that pulse, it'd be one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You now have a four-four time signature. Does that make sense? Yes. I have four beats in one single measure, and you can fit four of those beats within that bar, uh, that, that that space so it's four over four is four the highest you go no <laughs> uh. but four four <laughs> is the most common 
time signature for rock right, and right, pop right. and for all, all, most music. Okay. So you're still with me? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I haven't lost you yet. Great. I'm doing something right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take this 4-4 four, four time signature. Every song that you've ever heard of that's like pop or rock or punk or or like metal, like country is all 4-4 four, four okay. for the most part. So now we're going to take another fish song that says fuck you time signature. We're going to get a little weird. I hate this show? song because I can't figure out Where I can't figure out the how to bob my head to it. Wow, so you just unlocked something for me. I hate this fucking song. It's frustrating to listen to. Yeah. You never know. They're where all to clap. over the fucking place. So what's happening is is that you have an odd time signature. So when something is in four four, you always know where the one is gonna drop because when you can count it one two three four one two three four one two three four if it's in five it's one two three four five one two three four five and it it always kind of advances it by one so it feels like the beat is moving away from you i think the easiest way for me to describe it okay um what was that oh man mound as it's been described to me is four bars of six eight six eight is another subdivision of time that's uh commonly used um which is a subdivision of three four time, which is a <laughs> what's the best way to describe this is is a waltz. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, that's how it kind of sounded yes. like. So it's a it's a <sighs> six eight over four bars. So you basically have a leftover two that the drummer then chooses to accent. And where he puts that accent makes it feel odd, which is on the five. <laughs> and the three it's on the odd numbers Ugh. so he's fucking with you because you want to hear either it divided by three one two three four five six one two three four five six or you want to hear one one two three four one two three four so when they layer on top of each other you get this weird funky ass all right so that that is the hardest that it's gonna get i, I literally gave you like Easy thing to find and the hardest thing and where they meet in the middle. So the next song we're going to look at is Split Open and Melt. Oh, man, this is just. Do you not like that song? I hate this song. So I said maybe, it. It's my peace song. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did just talk about that. All right. So hold on. Hold on. Let's 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 um let's not do Split Open and Melt then. I got another one for you. How about Limb by Limb? I love that song. So Limb by Limb is also in 6-8. Huh. And six eight will give it that bouncy, waltzy feel. Six eight is basically double time of a uh, uh, three four time, which is a traditional waltz. Yeah, like limba 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 limba. Yeah, limba, so limba limba limba. Yeah. So let's skip in a little bit. We go like twenty seconds in. One two three four five six. 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 So now does the phrasing make a lot more sense? How they're using the lyrics to fit in the beat? It has a different bounce to it. Yeah. You're not just bobbing in a constant motion like you are in four four. It's like even bouncy. 
and that's because you're now counting in threes. You've made it all about triplets. And triplets are a uh, division of eight notes that fit over this group of three. And you can yeah, the pendulum swings faster. Yeah. That's how I hear the song in my head. And you can actually count out triplets over this beat. They'd be really slow triplets, but triple, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, you get an entire like texture and effect when you start messing with these times. So this is a six-eight time signature. Correct. How? Where does the eight come in? So. It's over two bars that are four. So it's one, two, three, four, so, five, six. I don't. So it's double. <laughs> this is where it starts getting mathy. Ugh. So it's double of three, four time. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three would be three, four time. You're putting three beats into what would have four spaces in it. But like we were doing with four, four, right? Yeah. So now you have three over four. So now you're doubling that. So you're making the phrase two groups of three. So instead of in it being one, three, four, four space, you double in the one tight space. Right, so you double the fraction. So you go to six eighths. So now you have six total beats because you're really counting across what were. Two bars of four. Correct. Is that right? Right. So it's math. You just doubled everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, right. you, you me- uh, so you measure everything in fours as a bar. Right. But if we wanted to listen to a traditional waltz, the phrasing is meant to be in three. So when you begin and end a phrase musically, it, it fits into that one measure. So it's three beats. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Which, believe it or not, is different than one, two, three, four, five, six. It's just how the composer, how much space the composer has to work with to fit in the tonal phrases that they want. Does the same thing apply to lyrics when it's sung? Yes. And hip-hop is a great place to look at this and how rappers manipulate uh, huh. the beats in a measure to produce the flow that they want to be rapping to. Interesting. So you get people like, what is it, MZ Doom? He's like a masked rapper who like fucked with flow really uh, crazy like. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. was crazy for... It, it all has to do with like their rhyme schemes and how they fall over the 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 beats of measure and how they correlate all that together. So if you ever really want to tumble down time signature and flow and all that stuff, you should look at like really awesome uh, hip hop rappers. Cool. Kendrick Lamar is doing it right now, but yeah. Anyway, that's your music nerdiness of the day. Cool, man. Do you think <laughs> that'll help me appreciate fish more? I think it'll help you recognize uh, patterns that you like. Cause I think the reason you like limb by limb is cause it's very like bouncy and it's like very nice. And it's like, what's bouncing around the room? Um, but it's different. Once again, I'm bouncing around. So the count room. it up for me. Two, three, four. That time in. Once again, I'm bouncing around okay. the room. Three, four. That time in. Once again. Cool. So yeah, it's it's cool, cool. See, I feel like now that you're teaching me this, though, I'm gonna be looking for it. And well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it all goes back to my we argument were... where like I like being naive and I just like saying that. That song is bouncy. But again, that's why the interesting point of that argument was it's how you use the knowledge that you gain. Yeah. So there are going to be certain things that you can't unsee. So, I mean, get into this in the beer side, but like when you realize that you don't like uh, acetaldehyde, 
and you can't untaste it because you you just decide that you really don't like it or whatever the background reason. Maybe it's the why that specific off flavor like turns you off, then you can't help but see it. So you might realize that three, four only works or you know six eight only works for you in a specific area Mm -hmm. and that's where it actually stays in its right form which is what limb by limb does but you've realized that when you start accenting things oddly over their six four time signature like mound does you're not gonna like it it doesn't really give you a place to feel grounded and you don't like music that doesn't have a really like good drop or like something to anchor you to yeah. That's like re- really experimental jazz yeah, would yeah. start getting you really weirded out. They start going to crazy different time signatures yeah, and shit. Yeah. And you just be like, I don't know where this song's <laughs> pulse is and I'm just fucked. Yeah. Just running around with my head cut off. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah. Cool. That's awesome. That was really awesome. Word. Thanks. All right. Well, I am going to take us out. The show that we listened to from uh, most events aren't planned are from September 3rd, uh, 2017. So now we're going to go to another cover, which is also in this show. So this is Rise Come Together from September 3rd, 2017. Stay tuned. You stay tuned. And we'll see you after this short 15-minute break.
Hello, listeners. Welcome back to episode 14 of Galaxy Brew. And today we're going to talk a little bit about saisons and bearded guards. <laughs> you sound like you should be doing an audiobook. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello, listeners. <laughs> um, I also just realized... Um, <laughs> That I thought that was come together by the Beatles, and it's totally not. <laughs> Funny fun fact. Um, Third time's a charm. You can edit in whatever you want. <laughs> um. Yeah, Saisons and Beard to Guards. Beard to Guards. Beard to guards. Yeah, so again, we've sort of like fallen into this weird um, format where during the fish segment you sort of try to explain something musically uh <laughs> i don't know worthwhile to me you tried to basically explain music theory to me i think is what we're shooting for these days and the second segment beer since i'm a certified cicerone you wanted me to teach you a little bit more about beer yeah. And honestly, I've wrestled with this because I think that like I can't be delivering to you like a seminar via this podcast because that would be super lame and super boring and fucking just bleh. So I think I've just decided to uh, dedicate each episode to a style or a couple styles and kind of just answer any questions that you have about them if I can answer them and taste you on what they're supposed to taste like. Because I think that'd be the most fun. Okay. So today it's going to be Saisons and Beard de Guards. Are you researching it on the internet right now? Yes. <laughs> well, so both, both, of, both of them, both of them fall into a larger category, which is denoted as farmhouse sales. Right? Yeah, that's funky shit. No, wrong. <laughs> Oof. See, you got a long, got a long way, way to, to go. go. <laughs> You're thinking of spontaneously fermented beer. I'm saying these are both farmhouse sales. They get that name because both of these beers were produced on on a farm, in a farm. Right, so this is... And they use the ingredients that they grew on their fields to produce them. Okay. So you'll find with most saisons and beer de guards, they have not adjuncts, but like wheat and barley and oats and things like that added to the beers that are produced. Yeah, so... Uh, I wanted to know what Beard de Garde was because it, it was a very French. It's very it's French. French. It's it's the Saison's cousin. Right. Saison's so are from Belgium. I, I and Beard de Garde's are from France. I wikied it because I know how to use the Googles. Franche. Um, I'm supposed to be your wiki. You're right, but it says that... Um, Shut that computer. It's the Nord Pas de Calais. Nord Pas de Calais. Region of France. Okay. <laughs> Um, and they were uh, brewed in the winter and the spring to avoid unpredictable problems with yeast during the summertime. Correct. So they're colder saisons. Yeah, so he, that this is actually one of the bigger differences, okay? Saisons, and why I've always been fascinated with saisons, is because uh, not unlike any other ale, their yeast actually excels and produces better phenols and, and sort of better flavors the higher you ferment that, that yeast rate. Right. right. Normal yep. is what? Normal... 64 is, what do you yeah, normally ferment now 60 to like 68 yeah right so saisons can go into the 80s 
yeah. and give you flavors that you still really like and want to coax out of that yeast. Right. Beer de Gardes, uh, some are actually produced with lager yeast and a okay. lot of them are laid down and like cool conditioned, right? Okay. So the same theory as a lager, but not quite to the extent. Both of these beers were like what farmers drank, farmhands at the end of like plowing a field at the end of the day. Okay. That's where these recipes came from. And the most intriguing thing about Saison's and Beer de Gardes is we actually don't have any footprint of what these original beers ever tasted like. No the original one knows. origin recipes have been wiped away because Why? when Prohibition came, no one drank beer in the United States. And then Germany came and fucking was like, boom, we're going to introduce you to the lager, baby. Germans invaded Belgium and France and wiped away their brewing culture. Oh, uh, you mean during World War Two? Correct. And World War One? Correct. Okay. And then loggers were born because that's what Germans made, and then that's what was carried over here. That's so. No one. There's no original record of a beer de garde. It would excite me. Let's put it this way: if I read an article in the news that said they came upon this, you know what I mean? Like posterity, like someone found this somewhere. It would be as exciting to me as the article I read about how they found an original beer produced in a shipwreck at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> cool. So I want to note this, that uh, I wanted to try to find a true Saison and a true beer de garde. So the beers I was looking for, I could not find. These are both craft domestic versions of the styles that I want to be illustrating to you. So what, what Sa- should we Saison, have? Yes, for Saison, Saison Dupont is the classic Belgian Saison. Okay. I'm I'm just making a record of this so I can then go have Yeah, Saison, Saison Dupont. Dupont. You had to have seen it in retailers and grocery stores and bars. It is it, uh, c- traditionally from Belgium they produce it in a brown bottle, which is perfect for the beer, but here when it's for whatever reason export here, uh we get it in a, in a green bottle. Yeah, it's weird. And the label the says Saison label, Dupont. Yeah. yeah, it looks like checkers with white and yellow. It's expensive. 15.99 <sighs> for a uh T- 25 ounce? That's not expensive. Get with the times. Okay. The kid. Stop brewing your own beer and buy some. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's so much cheaper. So anyway, Saison Dupont is the classic Belgian example of Saison Dupont. A lot of brewers in our generation steal that yeast. They harvest that yeast. They propagate that yeast. And you, they oh, use that to morph into beer? their... Yep. They use that to morph into their yeast strain. Uh, and then for Beer de Garde, the classic French representation is Genline. Genline. I really am. I, I butcher French. That is. Genlon. That's what it is. Okay. It's an amber beer de garde. It's like Genlon. the only commercially produced beer de garde they still actually make. There's a lot of them on the market, obviously in France and abroad, not here so much. They're harder to get their hands on. And the style is not as popular as the Saison. Beer de gardes are typically a, a little bit maltier, a little bit sweeter than a Saison. Okay. Right. They can be blonde, but typically Saisons are straw blonde. And then beer de gardes usually have an amber quality to them. Okay. So, SRM, I don't know what so that is. I always that's, was really bad. Yeah, that's the way that uh, a pale ale is like a two, and a the beer de garde you're saying is more like an amber, and amber is more like a six, I want to say. Sure. So I was so I was in, bad at SRM. I destroyed it. Instead, uh, oh, we're chest. drinking Allagash Saison and Saison. Right. And two brothers. All right. So, for the Saison, the craft commercial is Allagash Saison. Uh, just because, uh, I love the way this yeah, just because, because it's Allagash and they do farmhouse sales. And, uh, this is honestly the only commercial example I could find. And I, I love two brothers for it. Two brothers 
uh, Dumont du Page, they call it a French country ale. I think they think that is more appealing than beer de garde, but that's exactly what it is. Okay. So a French farmhouse so ale. We're drinking this, the Saison first. Yeah, can you pull up some specs on this? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just want to know if I they actually add oats or barley or anything. Yeah, I was going to say, my home brewing uh, knowledge of, of Saisons are, is actually pretty good. When I first moved into my apartment, um, I didn't have a fermenting fridge or a serving uh, vessel of any kind, so no fridges at all. So uh, Saisons were the beer style of choice for the guy who couldn't control his fermentation temperatures. Like yeah, so we're a lot of homebrewers start. Yeah, because it's, again, we can go wild with the temperature on that yeast pretty high into the 90s, believe it or not, and still be. The problem is, is that the hotter you get it, the more of those phenols you get and your beer can get pretty funk, not funky, like bad, like sour, but just like crazy uh esters and and phenols out the butt i don't i don't I don't. how would one describe that's my first question of like describe those phenols like what notes what adjectives do i use to describe because i always want to say banana and you always get mad at me because banana is a very specific thing for a german style beer that i always say wrong <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I want to club you in the head. Okay, <laughs> so yeast uh, produce ester aromas in in saisons, and those are usually fruity and honey. Right, okay. those are the sort of aromas you get from a saison and a beer de garde. You could say something is fruity, and you could say it's honey. Okay, well, beer for beer de garde specifically, and I'll mention this again when we move on to taste that. A lot of beer de gardes are described as being musty or corky musty or celery like not the the vegetable but cellar like is another term that people use to describe beer to guards and that's all because of the yeast uh that the the phenols yeah the aromas yeah. the esters the esters so i'm looking up the saison from allagash it's a two-row barley blend malted rye oats and dark belgian candy sugar oats yeah okay uh Great. northern brewer bravo and cascade hops deliver a citrus profile with light bitterness traditional size on yeast strain notes of spice and tropical fruit accent the aroma pop citrus, quiz why is the uh candy sugar added uh to dry it out ding ding you yeah. win you win you win you win see i would have never believed it or not until uh actually reading this description i should definitely start reading more um get tropical <laughs> fruit at all now now that they've said it i can't unsee it i'm just trying to think of what fruit i would describe this as probably like a mango am i off am i just way off probably no you're 100 percent right um but th that is specifically um that's common to allagash that's common to allagash's yeast strain for saison you basically want to be looking for uh yeast that produces um peppery peppery is a good one that is typically yeah, used when you drink a saison yeah, peppery yeah. and again right i can say the word peppery and we can leave it at that right or i could say oh this is black pepper this is white pepper 
It actually tastes oh, a little man, like pink pepper. Pink pepper. I was going to say. Because pink pepper is more fruity, right? I can't so it's smell little, the difference in pepper. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you got to try the different peppers and then you'll know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, All different pepper yeah, is different. So it's a we, spice. Are we going to snort some pepper right now? Because <laughs> if not, I don't know what we're talking. I don't know where we're about to I'm go just right saying now. that um, you, can, you can take things further than just the general and, and nonspecific term. I also, I always say black pepper when I refer to saisons. I also say that saisons to me have a lot of sage-like qualities. Sage-like right. qualities. So you ha- would have to know as a human being and worked with the herb sage what that smells and tastes like. Because it's unique to that thing. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, it's herbaceous, but it's herbaceous in a very specific way. Okay. So you're telling me I need to go snort some sage now, too. So you're saying basically I, for I, me to understand these flavor profiles, I have to start snorting a lot of shit <laughs> and just tasting I'm things I'm saying raw. you need to taste a lot. Yes, taste raw ingredients and then have that as a baseline or a control for how you can go about describing the similar flavors in beer. Can I, can I make a, uh, a request? Yes. So the next time we do our Cicerone training uh, segment, can we taste the crude elements of things that I'm supposed to taste in the beer? So yeah, I guess so. Sure. I feel like it would help me. So I got made fun of um, by J3PO when he first started teaching me how to brew because I would want to taste the beer in all its, all its phases. And okay. there, there are a lot of times where like it's not beer yet and you just don't want to, there's just, like no point in tasting it. So like the first pull of the mash, I would drink the sugar water that came out. And I would like chew on some grains while we were mashing, like even like a little before that. And I would freaking even drink the like once it was done boiling, like take a cup of that and like let it pour out and let it cool down and drink that after it was hopped crudely. And then I would like obviously drink. Okay. The yeah. Yeah. Let's from... do that. Let's do it. Right. It just let's, helped let's me. Do it. it helped let's me. It, yeah, it helped me it. understand and conceptualize why the mash was important because I was trying to get as much sugar out of it as possible. So what actually helped me start doing was when I was trying to understand my efficiency and how close my ABV was, I could kind of tell based on how sugary the water was pouring out. So again, it, it sounded crazy. Yeah, I'm, at the I'm taking time, it a step like, too far. I'm already assuming that you have the normal. Not not normal. You have better this palette. broader frame of reference right. to refer to. Because yeah. I have that because I cook a lot. Yeah, and I don't. Do you I see do. how similar, though, like not even brewing beer, but tasting beer and being, being able to articulate flavors is tied with cooking and raw ingredients? Yeah, it makes sense why beer and, and food should be paired together because I feel like with wine, it's just not as you can't go as many places like it's so squarely defined and it's such a long process to see what comes out like they don't really get to play with flavor as much as beer does so it's it's funny to me that like okay every every place in the world if it's a good restaurant has an amazing wine list and people always forget about beer it's kind of bullshit it should be the opposite people should start caring a little less about the wine and having like three or four different types of wine and have a amazing beer menu that pairs well with their fucking food menu i don't know let's talk about why 
Okay, so I used to think wine was bullshit, right? Yeah. I love beer. I've always loved beer. I'm like, winemakers are fucking idiots. All they do is pick grapes, stuff that naturally exists in the world, throw it into a vat and mush it up and throw yeast in. And that's what you get is wine, right? Yeah. But I actually watched a documentary on <laughs> making wine. Oh, yeah. And the thing, the word they love to throw around is terroir. And it's very, very pertinent to what we're talking about here because saisons and beer de garde's can be referred to the same way. These beers are so much identified and have such a rich sort of tie-in to the earth and, and what the farm was growing, what crops they were growing. So you can speak about these beers the same way you speak about wine. Okay. But I want to say that for brewing, the entire artistry comes in recipe development for wine. It's the person who tends the yeah, it's actual where plants come from yeah correct it's the history that's, and that's the artistry of it i forget what it's called botany yeah. botany yeah what you said yeah but terroir also re- refers to like you know what's in the soil and if it's on a hill and how often it got sun or yeah, rain or yeah. shade Humidity. or wind yeah, wind. yeah, yeah so, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's so much more of that is the artistry of it compared to brewing where you I really mean, control yeah a we, lot of we the have elements that in brewing though i mean with hops you have that you, you, I mean, that's why you have like Yakima Valley and you have all these different places where where even domestically hops grow and it affects how they you know turn up. So, I mean, it, it exists in both realms. It's just I, it's not something that I think. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's something that a lot of people are privy to yet, especially like common beer drinkers. They don't give a shit. I give a shit. I think this freaking size on is phenomenal. So, what are the things that you can tell me about this beer? If you were going to describe this beer to me, I'd yeah. never had it, and pretend I don't know anything about beer. How would you describe this beer to me? I, Basically, when you describe a beer, let me just preface this by saying, you really want to walk the person through aroma, okay, color, so what it looks like, okay, flavor, and finish. Okay. Okay? So, try to hit all those so wait, when you're wait, describing wait, this beer. Just call them out for me, and I'll, I'll say the first. We'll do a, a psychological let's do, let's thing. First do, thing that comes to mind. Great. Great. Let's do look. What does this beer look like? Look visually. Like, uh, it is uh, opaque. Okay. True. Can't Where see does it fall it, on but, SRM? Uh, I would say like one to three. Okay, so now throw that out. Pretend that I don't even know what the fuck standard reference measurement is. Okay. If I was descri- if you were describing it to me as a human with your eyes. What? Wh- how would you describe the color of that beer? Uh, straw. Right, light golden. Yeah, light pale, golden. pale golden. Pale, pale, hazy, yellow. pale golden. Yeah, faded, faded yellow. Do you see, do you see yellow. how you can get to this? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, see? yeah. Light blonde, hazy blonde. Nah, yeah, sure. This blonde swims in a pool, and her hair's not actually blonde, so it's faded. Great, that's great. See, you're <laughs> doing great. Okay, so look, <laughs> so aroma, aroma. Okay. Aroma. So aroma. Um, now wait. Let's let's can we can we first can I let's there's a way well, you sniffing. sniff that there's a way okay. there's a there's a method. All it's right. called the bloodhound sniff. Bloodhound sniff. Okay. Okay. How do bloodhounds? How do hounds sniff? Um, I guess you just told me. <laughs> Short, quick inhales. So you want to put the put it first. You want to waft it. You want to hold it in front of your nose. Waft a little bit. Yeah. Okay, and then you you want to tip it down to your nose. Do not let the liquid touch your nose. I just saw you touched it to your nose. And then take three quick sniffs, bloodhound sniffs. I got it. Got it. 
It smells when you do it like that. I get a lot less of the pepper, and I get a lot more of the of the tropical, which is funny to me. Because when I take a long sniff of this, I just get straight peppers. It like burns my nose a little bit. See, but you're proving why you should sniff the way I just said, because you get more nuanced flavors. Yeah. All right. So what do and, you smell? And if I train and and if I train myself and think about it and say, hey, there's pepper in here, and I sniff it, then I can get the peppers and the juice. What does this beer smell like to you? It smells like mangoes. Oh, okay. And pepper. Peppers and mangoes. Pebbles and marbles. To me, it smells like I just opened up a box of cereal. Cereal? What kind of cereal? I don't know cereal that smells like this. Any kind. Cheerios. No it smells, way. It smells, like, it smells like malts to me. It smells like light cereal malts. I get the oats. You don't smell... Do you know what it's like to smell when you open up a, a, a can of oats? Nope. Oh man! Oh, well, this is what it I smells hated, like. This I is hated, what it smells uh, like. Oatmeal growing up, I would never eat oatmeal. Okay, I well, it go like... buy some Pepperidge. It's not Pepperidge Farm. Pepperidge Farm. <laughs> go buy some old guy oats. I don't remember the name now, and it smells very similar to that. So you get a l- little bit of that. Yeah, right, we're, Cereal malts. I'm I'm getting a little antsy. Can we taste this? Fine. <laughs> yes. Move on to taste. <laughs> Jesus. I'm trying to teach you things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in taste. time, in time. Taste. I can't get, I can't get aroma, taste, color, and all of it in one go. We gotta. Okay, taste. Tell me what you taste. Taste it and tell me what you taste. I taste carbonation right out the gate. It's like pow, scrape my tongue. Super carbonated. Okay, you can't taste carbonation. Carbonation is. I feel is, is I feel okay, it. but that's uh, that that is referring to the finish of the beer. Okay. Finish is how carbonated it is, high or low. This is highly carbonated. Saison's and Weird Guards are both highly carbonated. How yeah. it finishes, sweet or dry? Dry. How much does it linger? Uh, a while. What are the after flavors you get? Uh, pepper. What kind of pepper? Uh, the peppery <laughs> kind. <laughs> okay, now what I want you to do, because you've been sipping that for a while, is yeah. go to the pairing of food that I have for it. Okay. We have a Let's soft... That, yeah. A soft cheese soft goat cheese okay Coloop or something i don't know it's vermont creamery i don't know how to say cheese but have some cheese okay put that in your mouth Super eat soft it and describe creamy. yeah i was gonna say describe the cheese it's creamy Do i have to eat the cheese it's by velvety. itself i can't put it on anything yeah eat the cheese by itself okay it's fatty it's umptious I don't know what umptious means. It, it, it's it's, ugh, it's like ugh, like a butt. You want to uh, squeeze it. This is a little um, umptious. It's super creamy. Right. And it's fatty. And, and it's, it's rich. It's little, and it's, it's thick. Yep. And it's slick. And it's fatty. Like cream right. cheese. Fatty. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So now the reason why that cheese is a perfect pairing with this Cezanne mm-hmm. is because the beer is light. It's got a sort of light malt hay-like character. Uh-huh. Strength to strength. You're matching strength to strength. And then it's highly carbonated. So what that carbonation is going to do is act like little scrubbing bristles mr scrubber in your shower yeah just scraped all that cheese off right right scrapes it right off yeah and there's some accents of the cheese your palate set up again for another bite but i was going to say there was still some cheese left behind after i took that sip and it accented the funkiness in the cheese which i like right that's good ah so it's a good pairing yeah I don't know if I would want to put the cheese on anything that could cut that, because like I would feel like if I put it like we. I also- bet no. I bet on the on the cracker. We have some whole wheat crackers here. I bet that would be fantastic. Okay. Because those are made of. Well, barley. So, so there's also apples here, and wheat. I feel like the tartness in the apples would would help to swing it one way or the other. I don't know. Okay, so the reason why I cut up apples, we have some Honeycrisp apples cut up here, is for this beer to guard. 
okay. okay because it's it's darker it's a little sweeter and i think with the apples it's gonna taste a little like a caramel apple oh okay <laughs> i've never had a caramel apple oh uh, god you okay back this is, beep beep this truck's gonna get backed way up and you need to like just start eating more food and smelling more food <laughs> done when you go to, this is your homework, your Cicerone homework. When you go to a grocery store or bodega or any place that sells food uh, in, in your carts on the sidewalks when you walk down the street, go up to the produce and the herbs specifically and just smell them. Okay. Smell them. If it's an herb, you know, if it's a giant bunch, I do this at the grocery store all the time, rip it off and just take a little nibble. What? <laughs> I always do that because I, conving- I confuse parsley and cilantro and I always get mad when I get stuck with parsley and not cilantro. Okay, well, I can say after going for round two with the cheese and the and the uh, and the saison, I think I like it most when it's by itself. But onwards and upwards, we're on the no, no. So, but, so, but again, would you say that this pairing because it works well together, it's classic that uh-huh. the cheese and your food taste better, and it also elevates the beer. They elevate each other. Yes, right. Yeah, it's great. Your ex- th- this is a better experience. Your food is a better experience, and yes. the beer is a better experience. I've always believed that. Yes. Great. I'm, 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 I want to start a business. I don't know if you've heard about Game Hunch Brewing Company. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> wow. Look at this beer to guard. It's so, it looks like an amber. This is like, it looks like honey. It does look a bit like honey. It's a color for sure. This is actually like very clear. Most beer to guards are unfiltered. They're okay. a little hazier, kind of similar to the Allagash Saison that we had. Um. Yeah. Uh, it smells way different. Wait, okay, so wait. Just, you poured it. I poured it into your glass. So we're going to go over visual. What okay. does it look like? Honey, you said it. Uh, smell. I can see through it, honey, too. Smell. Actually, uh, I can't see through it. Smell is... Uh, Aroma. It smells boozy. Did you just do the bloodhound sniffs? I don't no. think you did. Go. I want to hear it. Thank you. What do you get? Closer to your nose, dude. It should be like up on your nose, just not touching your nose. Uh, like pears. Yeah, I get a little pear. This is this is so much cereal to me. This literally smells like Cheerios to me. I I gotta figure out yeah what that means because I don't snort sweet. Cereal. This this smells sweet. It does yeah, smell pear. Sweet. Yes, I agree with you. Apple pear. See, do you see why I picked the apple? Sweet. It's a little sugary. You know what's funny? I say pear and a little I herbal. Eat, I didn't eat pears growing up. I thought pears were gross. But you got it. It's uh, that's there. I for sure. That's one hundred percent. It smells like candy. Yeah, candy. Yeah. Yes. Sugar. It smells um, like when you open a brown sugar packet too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we got a lot of fur aroma, which is great. Taste. Describe this beer to me. Ooh, it's way maltier. It's like super malty. Okay, but compared to a, a that's on. the broadest category des- designation degradation designation you can give to this. And okay. B, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know anything about beer, saying it's malty doesn't mean anything to them. Um, so describe this, this beer to me and what it tastes like if I'm a dummy and you pulled me off the street and I never had beer before in my life. What does it taste like? Um. I don't, I don't, I was, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, words do not 
describe like specific words don't come up the way it does with Saison. I'll say that like Saison, I immediately can say like pepper or whatever. This doesn't. It's like do a you weird... want the buzzwords that I told you you should look for in beer to guard? What were they? I don't remember. Musty, corky, cellar like. Corky now makes sense. I don't. I see. It's hard to think of what it's like to put a piece of cork in your mouth and suck on it. Like it's weird. That's just gross. I don't think you have to suck on a cork. I think you can smell it. What is cork? It's a tree. Right. It's pressed wood. Yeah. So do you have any memories of being a kid and smelling bark on a tree? Uh, <laughs> you weren't an outside kid. I'm thinking of like fresh cut wood at like Home Depot. It like, smells like that. Yeah. I, I, this smells to me like wet earth. Like there's so much. Uh, wet earth. What does that even mean? It just, I close my eyes and I see myself walking through a forest and smelling the moss and, and kind of. It's, Picking it up and eating yeah, it. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> like inhaling and like knowing what that like moist living environment. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just close my eyes and I say moss, what I feel. Moss, I'm actually, now that you're saying it like that, like is, I'm coming around to it. Moss makes sense a little bit to me. But if I said mossy to a random person, they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What does that mean? If you said that to a Cicerone, they'd be like, oh, shit. Okay. This guy's looking for things that are much deeper than just saying the word malty. Okay. No matter how ridiculous you think it is, say what it reminds you of. It also has a almost like a tea quality to me, almost like a black tea quality to me, right? I drink a lot of tea. Again, b- draw into your frame of reference, but make it so that it's something that most people would understand. I get it, like analogies and analogies, analogies, <laughs> analogies and did stuff you, like did that. Did you try this with the apple? Uh, not yet. So you're gonna have to give me a little more. And the cheese. Mine. Um, I would say this is also slightly less carbonated than the Saison. It is a lot less. I think that's just because <laughs> we're getting it in the format we're getting it. I think if we got this at the source or we had drank an actual French beer de garde, it'd be a lot more happy. So you're just saying uh, for this specific carbonated. interpretation of the style, it's not, it's not where it's at. I really enjoy this. This has a roasted nut quality. This has a, a barley, like a toasted barley, cereal, bread crust. <laughs> Do you get any of that? Nope. Ah, okay. I think, so here's what I will say. I but think, bump. I, and, and maybe this will help going forward. Um, I think the, the Saison has very obvious notes to kind of, attack up front and then kind of dig a little deeper and break it down. I think the beer to guard is a little too um, beyond my palate at this point. When we were talking about music and like just not being ready for it, for your ear to be ready for it, I don't think my my palate is ready for a beer to guard. Especially a craft, I would say, a a domestic craft version of it because that's also going to be Americanized and probably dumbed down way from where it should be. No, no. Um, I, I'm not saying this beer is dumbed down. That's not what I'm saying at all. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, saying I think it's less carbonated than it should be because I don't know how old that, this beer is. I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm also I'm saying I'm trying to. I said it in a very bad way. I I would want to have the most traditional interpretation of what it is. It's like when we did Pilsner Arc. Like you can't talk about Pilsners without having a Pilsner Arkel because it's the cool. So when you're shopping in life, if you see a Saison Dupont, 
grab that. That's a true Belgian. That's the mother of all mother Belgian saisons. Yeah, I gotta find and that beer. If you want to taste a true French beer de garde, pick up Genlain Amber. Yeah, I gotta find that Genlain Amber. Do it. So, um, listeners out there, if you want to help this poor, poor kid out, unfortunate soul, yeah, <laughs> tell us where we can get it. Send it to us. I need it. I clearly I need it. That, that did you that learn anything today? Yes. Has your vocabulary been broadened by cereal. today? I now know what cereal means. There you go. That's not. It's I not something that's that common that a lot of people say. Subdivide pepper, and now need to figure out white pepper and pink pepper. And I, black pepper. I, I know what black pepper is. I got that. What the fuck is you white it, pepper you and it pink pepper? Enough. Yeah. What the fuck is that? They're different. I know. I know they're about <laughs> pink peppercorns. I know they're fancy as fuck. I just don't know how they taste different from black peppercorns. I've never had them side by side. I once made a wheat beer with pink peppercorns and hibiscus. It was so good. Yeah. So good. Um, I've never made anything with pink peppercorns. Maybe I should. I do know that coming up, I'm going to be making a saison, so I'm really excited for that. So I, I really appreciated doing this right before I'm about to make it. So it's definitely inspired. Yeah, so let's just say um, homebrew saison yeasts you can use are uh, Y yeast three seven two four Belgian saison yeast, and then uh, this one's my personal favorite Y yeast three seven one one is French saison yeast. I love that yeast. I get you to use it a lot. Uh, and then beer de garde. We've actually used this, the kid. Uh, three five two two Ardennes. Yeah, yeah, I love that use. That's a beer de garde origin. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know <laughs> and, I was doing that. And again, uh, three four six three Forbidden Fruit. That Another is a Who Garden origin strain. Uh, and you can use for saison or beer de garde. Yeah, I do love that strain as well. Yeah. So. All right. So get at it. Saisons and beer de gardes are really fun to brew. And in the old days, people used to have to actually, you know, harvest their grain, get their oats, like do all that on a farm. We have the awesome ability in this day and age. Technology has brought us forward where you can go on the internet and order whatever kind of grains you want. Yeah. I mean, get creative. It, I, I think Saison is when you really start pushing your limits of, of where you're comfortable fermenting and you actually can find these really awesome graphs on the internet where people have taken uh Saison yeast, the different, uh, like the, uh, not even the four strains that we mentioned, but way beyond that. And they've um, actually described what phenol flavors you'll get from the yeast at those specific temperatures. So if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can, yeah. So that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing. More tropical you can take stuff any one of those four or any more of them ferment any one of those at a certain temperature, right. say 75. That's going to be different flavors than you get if you ferment it at 80. Yeah. So and the range really you get is so vast Obviously, with these yeasts. Yeah, and the higher up in the temperature you get, that's when you start getting the funkier notes, the ones that I call banana but are probably more tropical and grapefruit. I'm, you whatever. know what we're going to do next gonna, episode? I'm going to make you eat a banana. A banana and, and then, then drink have a, a saison. Yeah. yeah, a saison. And a hefeweizen because a hefeweizen is what's supposed to taste like bananas, right? A hefeweizen does taste like oh, bananas. There we go. See, I don't want to call it out. but What did we drink today? Hefeweizens? No. <laughs> <laughs> me. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. We drink beer de God and Saison. 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 Okay, Frenchman. All right. Frenchy French. 
Thank you guys for listening to Gotta Jabru, the podcast where two friends talk about their two favorite things, fish and beer. I am the kid himself. And I am Marissa. And we will see you next time. Pretending on the stage. Don't wanna be a writer with my thoughts out on the page. Don't wanna be a painter, cause everyone comes to look. Don't wanna be anything where my life's an open book. A dream, it's true. But I see it through If I could be like me Wasting my time With you Don't want to be a farmer Working in the sun Don't want to be an outlaw Always on the run It's true.